Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot at what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have our great guest all the way from Washington, D.C. Welcome to the show, Kevin Bremer. Hey, Victor. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. So, Kevin, you're based in Washington, D.C., and you've been investing in real estate for some time, but you've got a unique strategy that's not necessarily very directly connected with the bricks and mortar. Before we dive into the details, why don't you give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Hey, yeah, thanks, Victor. I'm the founder and CEO of Nimbus Capital, but I really got my start while I was still in the military. So I am still active duty Air Force. I'm a meteorologist by trade, but I'll be getting out of the service. I'm not sure when this episode is going to go live, but by the end of August, I'll be out and pursuing my real estate full time. But I started out just buying up little apartment buildings down in Georgia, where I was stationed. Everywhere I get stationed, I'd buy something here, buy something there, rent it out, and started building this small portfolio for myself and realized one thing that I don't like asset management. <laughs> I, I managed you know, rehabs and manage contractors and property managers. And it just drove me insane. So I went down that, that typical path of, okay, well, I want to get bigger. I want to scale. I understand economies of scale. Let's go into the syndication model. So I took the classes, I educated myself, read all the books, started down that path. Again, ran into that same roadblock. I still have to be an asset manager. I don't, I don't want to do that, right? So then after a long time, I stumbled upon this, this fund concept and I spent about a year educating and launching my private equity firm, and we've built some really, really fantastic partnerships, and we're, we're now launching our, our inaugural fund, and it seems like it's going to go really, really, really well over the summer here. We, we should have it all filled up and subscribed, and we've been able to partner with some of the top syndicators, but essentially, we are a fund of funds, so I consider ourselves an aggregator. We aggregate capital from quality, qualified investors from all over the world. And then we have partnered with six different top operators in the U.S. They're all multifamily, 100 plus units. Our smallest operator has 1,000 units. Our largest operator has 8,000 units. The point of the model is scalability. We are raising capital. We're investing that capital to help our partners scale and get above that 10,000 unit mark. Simultaneously, they're helping us scale by providing us a quality track record and building out that partnership essentially helping our investors win by getting the real estate exposure that they need from the passive side. So it's a pretty interesting model. And I, I think it's going to be a game changer as, as a lot of these syndicators that have come out of the, the classes and, and everything all kind of are looking for the same thing and that's capital, but they don't know how to get there. One of the beauties of a fund is that you've got the money sitting there. It's available when opportunities present themselves, you can deploy quickly Certainly, agility in today's market is important because it has become so competitive. On the flip side, when you bring capital in, at that point, it's sitting in your bank account. It's earning nothing, and yet the investors still expect a rate of return on their money. How do you overcome that pressure to deploy sooner than you would want to so that you put that money to work, even if it might not be the best opportunity? It's a great question. So it all kind of starts with our partnerships that we've built. We're working with these syndicators and they're all high performers. So I've vetted, I can't even tell you how many, how many syndicators, you know, so that vetting process was just crazy. And we landed on these six for this fund and they're all uh, really heavy on deal flow right now. 
and they're all kind of in that same position. So we independently underwrite the deals. We have our own chief underwriter who's a, a broker in his own right and a numbers guy and a, a nationwide consultant for a lot of different syndicators, but specifically these guys as well. So we're independently underwriting the deals as they come through and we're able to deploy on a rolling basis. So as a fund manager, I'm not waiting to fill up and subscribe the entire fund. I'm deploying on a rolling basis because there's a lot of this, you know, as you mentioned, Victor, it's about timing, right? Because the deals are going to come in and we're only going to cherry pick the best deals for the fund. But that also depends how much do we have in the coffers? You know what I mean? How much do we have in the pot to deploy and what makes sense? So there is certainly an element of timing, but I think by building the relationships that we have with the partners that we have and having that trust out front instead of having money and then kind of going shopping that money around to people we don't know, that just lengthens the timeline, right? But because we have these relationships built, we've kind of streamlined the process. I'm very familiar with the fund model from the venture capital world because I started my career in the tech industry and we've done one fund ourselves. One of the things that we've discovered with the fund model is that sometimes the parameters of the fund often end up driving what happens from a boots on the ground perspective. And what I mean by that is, let's say you set up a fund with the best of intentions and you've got, let's say, a 10-year time horizon on the fund. And all of a sudden, you're into year six of the fund and you're now placing new investments, but you're actually forcing an artificial time horizon for an exit with a syndicator that may or may not be ready to exit at that point in time. And it's almost like the, the tail wagging the dog at that point. Mm -hmm. How do you protect against that? Our fund structure is a closed fund structure. So instead of having a, an open fund structure where the fund just keeps going on perpetually, we close the funds. And again, it goes back to those relationships. We have a five to seven year timeline. Each one of our partners that we invest in has a five to seven year timeline because we are the fund itself is a taking a primary LP position in each one of the deals that our partners are in. We are not the sole investor. We are not the single check writer. So there's pressure on the syndicator, the operator to close within that five to seven years too. Similarly, it's the same timeline that we have. So I think that helps balance everything to make sure that it just doesn't go on and on and on and on and our investors don't get paid out. Or like you said, the tail wagging the dog. I love that analogy. But yeah, our money isn't driving the decision of the operator because ultimately we have developed the relationship. The trust is there. So I trust each one of these partners to make the decision. Not to mention we're a primary LP. That means we don't have many voting rights, if any at all. So even if we wanted to make a business decision for them, we can't. That's kind of how our model is working. Very interesting. Now, typically with a fund, you want all of the investments in the fund to be similar enough that it actually makes sense to have it as a fund. You're not going to put a mobile home park with an apartment building with a, you know, with a condo tower development. It's got to be a collection of the same type of things. What's your focus? Our fund, Stratus Fund 1, is focused on garden-style multifamily. So we're 100 to 150-plus unit deals, 1980 or newer builds. We're looking in the value-add space, and we've purposefully built these relationships with our partners. They're all different operators. So to give you an example, some of our operators are people who just go in and clean up the management and the operations and don't do any rehab. Then they'll go and sell it to someone who wants to do the heavy lift on the rehab once the occupancy is fixed and all of that. So they're turning and burning deals in 18 months, where some other ones are your standard, hey, we're going to go in five to seven year horizon and do the value add, whether add units or whatever the deal. All of these deals are very, very creative because our syndicators have been around the industry for at least 23 years. So they get it. 
yeah, we're all in this first fund in the multifamily arena. But I will tell you, Victor, we're already planning and, and we have the roadmap for Stratus Fund 2, which is a $15 million opportunity. And I'm going to build out tranches of funds and really not so much a tranche of a fund. I guess that's not the, but I'm going to build out a mechanism that allows us to earmark an investor's money. So by creating the next fund and putting self-storage development as a tranche. So we're going to work with operators who are self-storage development. We're going to work with our standard multifamily folks. And then we're going to work with mobile home park folks. And we're going to give the investor the opportunity to say, hey, do you want your cash flow, high cash flow up front and a smaller return on the back end? Then high cash flow, you might want the mobile home park. Or are you more into the 30 to 40% IRR on the back end? Then, hey, this self-storage development might be for you. Or are you into just standard kind of a blended solution? There's your multifamily. But earmarking each one of those and building those relationships out in the fund will allow us to offer more diversification. Because at the end of the day, Victor, our investors, they choose us over a traditional syndicator for two reasons. One, they want more diversification to, to reduce their risk. And two, they don't know the operators who are doing this. They don't have the direct access like we do. So that really helps get them the exposure that they need in this multifamily or or commercial space. Well, that raises actually a very interesting concept, which is that a lot of investors who don't have the direct relationship, they don't have the time to go and vet the operators. Oftentimes people ask the question, well, what value does a fund add to the whole process? If you're just aggregating money, it's not much value add there. But what you're talking about is in fact adding value by developing those relationships with the operators and deciding what's the best fit for those funds. Yeah, yeah. And, and our process of independently underwriting the deals is very, very detailed. So we're, we're vetting the, the partners. We're vetting each one of their deals. We're cherry picking the best ones that come across our desk that's right for the fund at that time. And then when the fund closes out and it's fully subscribed, you know, the money's deployed. So then we're going to be launching future funds and things like that. But the other side of the coin is the diversification and God forbid you invest with the regular syndicator and that deal goes south. Guess what? Your, your money's going south with it. It's going down with the ship. But if you are invested in a fund that is invested in six different deals with six different operators and six different markets, I mean, you're eliminating most, if not all, of that type of risk, of downside risk by simply being in different areas. And oh, by the way, all of these operators have been in the game for 23 years, have thousands of units have unbelievable track records, $1.7 billion in assets under management. I mean, that right there, I think, is is the value proposition. Yeah, that's very powerful. In fact, even in the venture capital world, you can have a very high failure rate, for example, with startup companies. But in fact, it's those companies that succeed that more than make up for the ones that fail. So that actually builds a tremendous amount of safety. And if you think about some of the largest equity firms you know, Sequoia Capital, Austin Ventures, mm -hmm. they've all gone with that model where they've been able, in fact, to tolerate failures. But by using that portfolio approach, deliver stellar returns to their investors. Yeah, absolutely. One of the challenges with a first fund, as a new fund manager, you often hear the question, well, show me your track record. And I think a lot of investors are reluctant to invest in a first fund because they can't see that track record to point to of past results. How do you overcome that objection? It's definitely a real thing. And it's something that 
you know, I'm, I'm constantly networking with other fund managers, some of the largest hedge funds in the US. And they always say the same thing. They, they tell me, they say, Kevin, your first fund is going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. But after this one, you will have, assuming that your model is successful and, and they, they think it is and it will be, they said you're going to have people calling you from out of the woodwork that you didn't even know existed. <laughs> and, you know, you're going to be doing that. But to, to answer your question, Victor, what we've done is, Again, it, it all stems from, from the relationships that we've been able to build and enter agreements where we're able to leverage the track records of our partners. I'm not going to you know, partner with a brand new syndicator. I don't care how good their deal is. So our experience internally on the team in multifamily is vast on the, the fund team, on the investment committee. And then we combine that with our network of top multifamily operators and we're advertising for them. And we're going out there and saying, hey, so and, and you know, we're, we're full, we have full disclosure. You want to know exactly who we're working with? It's all in our pitch deck. And if you want to invest directly in one of their deals, go for it because you can, you're just not going to get the diversification. So I think it all comes down to what the individual investor is looking for. And the folks that we talk to most, to be honest, a lot of high performing and luxury real estate agents, lenders, and brokers who are making a very high commissionable income but are also hustling a lot. And they're looking kind of at that, the light at the end of the tunnel and they're trying to get more passive income, but they have no clue because they're so focused on single family and residential real estate. They have no clue how to get in to these other things. And because of that, we do two things. We educate them and we fill the education gap and we say, hey, here are all your options. And then two, we partnered with some stellar folks out there who can offer really broad diversification and really protect these risk-adjusted returns. Well, that's a really strong answer. And for the listeners at home, you definitely want to pay attention to this because, you know, what Kevin's saying here is that he's new in this one particular arena, but he's borrowing from the track record of some very experienced people and mitigating the risk from that standpoint and putting process in place to make sure that that risk is mitigated. So that's, that's actually a very strong answer. And it's actually very similar to the approach that we take as well in a lot of cases. So for example, if we're not deeply immersed in a particular market, we'll bring in a partner in that particular market who is deeply immersed in it with a tremendous track record so that we can point to a very strong results track record, even if we don't have it ourselves. It's exactly the same approach. The team building, I think that gets overlooked a lot in the industry in general, whether you're a new real estate investor trying to get into and, and, and be a general partner or developer or whatever. It's in the word partner, right? You have to team up. This is a team sport. Don't try to go it alone because you're not going to get far. So have your vision, have your mission statement out there, have your guiding principles, have your core values, have it out there, display it to the world. And if they're strong enough, and if you live and do what you say you're going to do, you will actually, your model will attract some of the best people out there and they'll just gravitate towards you. And then you could pick and place. Okay. This person's good in this role. This person's good in this role. That's how you do it. I love it. Well, Kevin, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Check us out. Nimbus Capital. It's www.rise, R-I-S-E with W-I-T-H, Nimbus, N-I-M-B-U-S.com. Or shoot me an email, Kevin at risewithnimbus.com. And of course, if you're on Clubhouse, the drop-in audio app, follow me on Clubhouse at Investor Kev, where I am leading rooms all the time. I have thousands and thousands of followers leading rooms all the time. Just basics of passive investing and opportunities and sharing value all the time in there. 
Well, thank you for sharing the perspective. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Kevin at risewithnimbus.com. That's risewithnimbus.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.